Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Amen. Hey, grab your Bibles and go to the book of Philippians. Uh, Philippians uh, chapter 3, we are in the middle of our, um, actually, yeah, like, yeah, kind of the middle. We got uh, about four more weeks left of our series here uh, entitled, Are We There Yet? If you like taking notes, our ushers are coming right now with some paper ones. You can snag some of those or you can do it digitally by going to uh, the app um, that we have. And, um, and so today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to finish it up in the next uh, three weeks after that. And how many of you guys have been enjoying this series? Been getting something out of it as we study the book of Philippians together? Uh, you might say, well, what has the series been about? It's been about going through the book of Philippians together and uh, just pulling out what we believe that God is saying through that book to us today. And uh, been an incredible journey, had lots of different speakers sharing it. And uh, man, the speakers have been incredible. Uh, if you missed last week, you got to listen to the podcast. Pastor Debbie was absolutely amazing. And the message she brought was so good on Are You a Good Travel Buddy? And uh, such a great message. And maybe you're looking around, you'd say, oh, I'd like to tell her right now how great it was. You go, where's, where's Pastor Debbie at? This is how cool all of our pastors are and how great our team is. She is actually teaching in the elementary class today. Um, and so <clears throat> we're not just people that get up on stage and here in, in, in the bright lights. Aren't the lights bright today? So beautiful. I love it. Um, and, uh, but man, we, they, they serve all over the place. We serve all over the place. And so, so proud of our team. But man, what a fantastic message um, are we there yet? That's the question we've been asking ourselves throughout this series. And uh, specifically, the big picture of the book of Philippians um, is about finding joy in Christ, no matter what the circumstance or the situation. We're going to continue with that theme today. But in that, we've been asking ourselves, are we there yet in a lot of different areas? Like last week, are you a good traveling buddy? Are you there yet? Are you at a place where you can travel alongside somebody else and encourage them in their faith and strengthen them as, as you two are being strengthened? And so we're just going to continue through that, that, that thought today. Um, but I want to just, um, just say this before we jump in today's message. Um, I do my best as a pastor to come every single Sunday having really wrestled with the text and fleshed everything out, at least when it comes to me and my walk and my faith, uh, before I get on stage and present it to you. Uh, but this week, uh, man, as I've been wrestling with this text, I found myself still this morning wrestling with it. Um, it's really one that God's using to do a deep work in my life, even as I stand here right now. And so a lot of what you hear today, um, it's, it's still in process. I'm still, I'm still working through it. And so a lot of things I say today um, I may, may just be coming as I'm wrestling through it. And so I, I share that with you because I, I want to invite you into the context of which I'm preaching from today. Um, and I want to invite you in to wrestle with it as well, um, as I'm sure we do from Sunday to Sunday. But with that being said, I want to read to you Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 1. Here's, here's kind of the, the, where we're going. The whole point of, of this, this, this idea um, that I'm about to read to you is, is once again going back to Christ and are we finding our full joy, our full satisfaction, our, our full meaning in Him, okay? Um, and so we're going to go there, Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. I'll stop a little bit along the way, read it, uh, then we'll pray. Verse 1. Chapter 3, book of Philippians, and it says this, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Took me about, about like three days just to wrestle with that thought right there. Because I won't read it to you again. It says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, 
Rejoice in the Lord. Whatever happens, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, no matter, no, listen to me, there's going to be a lot of whatevers in life. Whatever happens, there's going to be a lot of whatevers. There's going to be times when you're going to be battling some sickness in your life. Anybody ever battled sickness before? And, and you found yourself battling sickness and you believe that God's a healer, or at least you used to believe that he's a healer until you prayed and he didn't heal you. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. But he didn't heal me. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. Or maybe you're sitting here and say, he did, he did heal me. That's awesome. Uh, but, but the other people that prayed the same prayer you did uh, but didn't receive the healing you received are, are wondering what's wrong with them. Whatever happens, you're going to go through some trials. You're going you're gonna to get fired from a job unjustly. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. You're going to find yourself in a little bit of a, 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 a friction with somebody you thought that, man, you were lifelong friends and now you're not friends at all anymore. Whatever happens, you're going to find yourself in ministry and, and, man, ministry was so awesome and it was so fulfilling, it was so rewarding, but then you got offended. Whatever happens. Rejoice in the Lord. You're going to have a picture laid out for your life and plans set forth that, man, this is the way I want things to work out and this is the way I want things to go. And then life doesn't line up quite like that. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. Are you hearing the message today? You're going to have this beautiful marriage and it's going to be awesome. And then you're going to find out that someone in the marriage had an affair. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. You're going to have this happy family, and you're going to pour your life into your children, and you're going to raise them up in the way they should go, and you're going to teach them, and you're going to instruct them, and one of them's going to walk away from Jesus. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. And now you see why I've been wrestling with it for the last couple of weeks. Because over the last year and a half, there's been a lot of whatevers, hasn't there? But Paul brings it back to the main point. But listen to me. It's not just rejoice. It's a little bit different than count it all joy when you fall into various trials. No, this is a little bit different. It says, I want you to rejoice in the Lord. In other words, Paul says, look, a lot of whatevers are going to happen, but as long as you stay in him, you can rejoice in him. Listen, the Bible doesn't promise that as long as we're in him, we're going to escape all of the things I just mentioned, but what it does promise is that as long as you stay grafted into him and grounded into him and rooted into him, that whenever the whatevers do come, you can still look to Jesus and find your joy. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. Listen to the next verse. I never get tired of telling you these things. Why does he say that? Because he's telling them a lot. Right? He's talking to the church in Philippi. He's, he's speaking to a, a group of believers much like I'm doing today. And he's, he's saying, hey, look, I'm never going to get tired of telling you this. And I, I haven't. And I need to keep telling you this. Listen now. I never get tired of telling you these things. Here's why I do it. And I do it to safeguard your faith. Highlight that, underline that, and we're going to come back to that. Whatever happens, rejoice in him. 
Find your wholeness in him. Find your hope in him. Find your life in him. Find your provision in him. Find your healing in him. Rejoice in him. And I'm not going to stop telling you that because I want you to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs. Now, he's not talking about actual animals. He goes on to say those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators, man, I love the Bible, who say you must be circumcised to be saved. What's he talking about here? He's actually talking about natural circumcision, something done to the flesh, and he's saying this, hey, watch out for the people that say you need to not only believe in Jesus, but also do something else in order to truly be a Christ follower. To them, it was natural circumcision in his time. What is it to us today? We'll talk about that. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on Christ, what Christ Jesus has done for us. See where he's drawn his attention back to. Rejoice in, in the Lord. Hey, hey don't, don't think you have to add something else or do something else. It's, it's in the work of Christ alone. We rely on what he has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. What's he talking about here? In his time, what was happening in the church of Philippi was they were in a culture, much like the culture we are in today, that was looking for something to, for themselves to latch to to give them this euphoria, this joy, this spiritual fix, this identity. And in their time, uh, it was that they had these laws, these regulations, these rules that they had to adhere to, these things they had to do, literally down to the point of the way they washed their hands, okay? And so there's all of these extra things, and this is the culture in which they're living in, and although Christ has come to set them free, what's happening is as the church is moving forward into, in this culture, and the culture around them is saying, hey, there's got to be something else, something more, what's happening is this idea is starting to creep into the church that it's Jesus plus something else. Right? It's, it's like, like the third will. Right? Ever been there before where you're going on a date, but then someone takes along? Right? That's the idea that Paul's going to say, wait, hold on a second. You don't need a plus one. You don't need a third will. You don't need an addition. Christ is sufficient in and of himself, and so it's not by human effort. You don't have to do all these rules, these regulations, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. So now Paul puts himself forward and says, but let's just make one thing clear. I've been down that road before. I've done things by human effort. And if anyone could do it, I can do it. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. And then he goes into his, his list of credentials. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. Not like he had a choice. I was circumcised when I was, not like at the, you know, eight days he was like, you know, choosing that, right? I am pure-blooded citizen of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, the best tribe, a real Hebrew. For those that are new to church, my name is Benjamin. Anyway. A real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who deemed this, uh, demand the strictest obedience of the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. I mean, this is like, it's, like I was so into this thing 
that I went after all of the people I'm communicating to today. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So he says, hey, look, this exists. I've been down that road. And if we can boast in human efforts, I, Paul, the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament, can boast all the more. Verse 7, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. I want you to highlight that. We're going to try to get into that. This is still another piece that I'm wrestling with. All of these things that I found euphoria in, all these things that I found to, to add what I thought added value in my life, all of these things, you know what, I've come to this place where they're worthless because of the work of Christ. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else. Isn't that the whole point of the gospel? Counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. In other words, I don't have to do something to obtain Christ. Christ already did everything so that I can be one with him. Verse 10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or the other, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't get tired of telling you these things. I do it to safeguard your faith. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that your word is, is awesome. And I pray that in the next few moments that we share together around this text, that, uh, Lord, you would speak to each and every one of us. God, you would communicate, God, this, this, this thing that I've been wrestling with and wrestling through and still don't have full answers for. But God, in this place, God, we open up our hearts, we open up our minds, we open up our ears to hear the amazing word of God. And I pray it's in this place that you would help me now. Point people to you and your amazing love and the amazing plan that you have for their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Are we there yet? Summer road trip. Here we are. Pa Pastor Debbie last week talked about being an amazing travel buddy. Um, and how many of you guys like traveling with somebody? Um, you know, just having somebody to be the DJ as you're driving or whatever, or your map or, you know, whatever, your own personal Siri. Um, it's just nice having somebody along. But when you get in a car and you go on a road trip, what's the very first thing you do or should do? You buckle up, right? It's the law. Uh, you put on a seatbelt. Why is that? Or if you're traveling with people, um, and some people that tend to forget about seatbelts, maybe they're in the back seat, and so they don't have the little thing that dings at them, you know? It's just, what do you do? Hey, guys, we're, we're taking off. Is your seatbelt on, right? Why do you do that? Because you want to have a safe 
journey. You want people to be safe as, as you drive in case anything should happen. We, we have a tendency to, to, to put safety first, maybe even in excess uh, in the world we live in, but, but we, want, we want people to be safe. It's, it's, we, got, we got to have safety, safety first. And one of the greatest ways I've seen this in my lifetime is when you're a, uh, you know, a parent and you're having your first child, Right? Maybe, maybe not so much even when I was a child, but nowadays it's like on, like it's, it's gone crazy, like safety like first in every single, how many guys remember if, you've, if you're married and you had your, maybe you're not married, but you had your first kid, how many guys remember having that first kid, right? Yeah. And, and you're in that era where, where safety is everything, and so what do you do? Uh, you go by the little door locks so they can't open the door, right? The little thing. You put the ones on the knobs so they can't open those doors. You, you put the ones on the drawers so they can't open the drawers and get into the knives, right? You put the Mr. Yuck sticker. Come on, somebody. Right? Um, even though they don't know what that is. They're attracted to the sticker, actually. You know, they're like, oh, sticker, you know? Um, and, and you do all these things. You put the little things in the outlets, right? Like you, like you put things away. The, the greatest one is, is the rubber bumpers for tables. Come on, somebody. You ever seen those? I walked into somebody's house and I was like, dear Lord, like how do you live, right? You can't plug anything in and everything's got a rubber bumper around it. I mean, I saw one place and even like the round one had a rubber bumper and I'm like, what is happening right now? And, and they, they, they want to safeguard their child, right? And so they do all of these things. But how many know by the time you get to your second child, you don't give a rip? Right? I mean, first child, it's like, put a helmet on them, put rubber bumpers around everything. And the next child, they're just running around, boom, walking into the table, getting cuts, and you're just like, oh. by the third one, you're throwing your child against the table, right? Like, it's just, you, you're like, you don't care, right? The first one, you're like, oh, my word, we got to protect the child. And by the second one, you're just like, oh, you fell off the back of the couch again. You'll learn one day, you know? Sorry you're dumb now that you're older, but it's because you fell too many times on your head, whatever. Um, you know? It just, it like, it like digresses, okay? And here's what Paul is saying in the text. The same thing happens in your spiritual walk. When you first come to Christ, you are so careful to make sure that you are, you are walking in the ways of God. You're actually doing a daily devotional. You're actually showing up to church, not on the third song, but my God, before worship even starts. Huh. You, you're in the Bible. You're, you're in worship. You're, you're, you're gathering around Scripture with your family. And, man, you're showing up to the, the small group. And you're, you're getting all these things. And you're, you're making sure. But what happens is by year three, by year four, by year five, man, you're just running into things. Why is that? It's the same it is with the child. Because as time goes on, culture creeps in. What started off as this, this great journey of, man, I, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Like by year three, it's like, that's a great suggestion. And Paul recognizes this. And he says, hold on a second, church. You need to safeguard your faith. You need to, you need to take some, some precautions and you need to, to make sure that, man, everything you need is found in Jesus. When the whatevers of life happen, you won't be shaken because you're in Christ Jesus. 
But he not only says that, he takes it a step further and says there are things out there that are actually trying to detour, distract, and destroy your faith. I mean, it's like when the child, look, there's just natural things in the house that we have that if we're not careful, yeah, the child could get hurt. And so what do we do? Man, we, we safeguard them. But then there's other influences that aren't necessarily in the house that we have to be aware of that will try to rob the child's affection, attention. Are you with me today? And so there's these things that we need to have safeguards in place as, as we walk this spiritual journey. Some of them are, you know, like, hey, look, this is just we're walking together and don't do these things. But, uh, uh, he says this, there are other things that are trying to creep in. And, and he calls them dogs. He calls them mutilators. For him, in his context, that was people adding things to. Um, here's the thing. It started off very innocent, right? It's like, if, if I do too much of this thing and it eventually leads me away from Christ, then maybe I shouldn't do this thing at all. And so rather than teaching the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, they said, let's just stay away from this entirely. What happened in his day was is they started adding rules and regulations and laws on top of the freedom that was found in Christ Jesus. And what are those things? Those things are, are, are creeping in. And so now Paul is warning them, hey, look, don't, you don't need to do that plus find freedom in Jesus. You just find freedom in Jesus. All these things that were, were taking place, the, the, the Pharisees added stuff, the Jewish laws added stuff. I mean, literally, I mentioned before, down to the way you wash your hands and the way you prepare a meal and this and that, and you don't do it that way, then you're probably not a Christ follower. And this is the world Paul grew up in. He says, hey, you need to safeguard yourself. In our context, what, 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 does, that, what does that look like? Um, because here's what we need to remember, the whole point of, of what we did in our house to protect our child wasn't the safeguarding, it was the safety of the child. The whole point of what Paul's talking about here, he's not talking about, hey, we need to add extra layers to safeguard our faith. The whole point is making sure we maintain our faith. Are you with me? Here's some things that um, popular ideas or beliefs today that could so quickly come and, and rob us of the freedom we have in Christ, the rejoice in, in Christ, whatever happens. The, the whole idea stems from this thought of, and I mentioned earlier, Jesus plus something else. Jesus plus something else. Uh, I get this question sometimes. Hey, what's your church all about? Jesus? Oh, I, I know, right, but, like, but like, like, what do you guys do? We preach Jesus. I know, but like, 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 I mean, like, what else do you guys do? Um, we have small groups. Oh, cool. Like, like, what are your small groups about? Teaching people about Jesus. But like, okay, like, well, I mean, do you have any outreach? Yeah, we do have outreach. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like, what do you guys do? Point people to Jesus. Right, but I mean, like, 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 do you guys like have any causes? Yes, we do. Oh, awesome. What is it? The gospel? What's that about? Jesus? 
Here, here's, what, here, here's what's happened. Our culture, again, it's no different than Paul's culture. Context has changed a little bit, but the big idea is the same. People are looking for something. By nature, we as humans want to latch onto something. Something bigger than ourselves. So, some, big, some big thing, some big moment, some big, oh man, like, oh, I can rally behind that. And the sad thing is, is the church has recognized that, and rather than keeping Christ at the forefront of it all, saying, hey, this is what you need to wrap around, we said, man, culture isn't really wrapping. We need to add something to it. So what happens is, is the very thing that we're actually fighting against by preaching the gospel is the very thing we're propelling within our churches. Now you see why I've been wrestling with it all week. Paul is saying, listen, Christ alone, Jesus alone. But this whole idea of, of, of this plus one, like, okay, I get it, but, 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 but what else? Here's, here's a couple of things that have creeped in and have creeped in big, um, and if we're not careful, why are, you, why are you gonna mention these things specifically, Pastor Ben? Because I wanna help safeguard your faith. Because as we go through, and, and you can read the Bible, there, there are things mentioned in Scripture specifically in their context. What we have to do is say, okay, that was the context that they live in. What's that look like in our world? Here's a big one, social injustice causes. If we are not careful as Christ followers, we will begin to wrap ourselves and our identity around a cause rather than around a gospel. And, and we, will begin to, we will begin to fight for these causes and we'll begin, listen to me, it happened throughout, throughout the pandemic. There were, there, listen, the, the pandemic was, was literally the perfect ingredient or formula, man, to grab hold of the culture we live in. Because it was all cause driven. Now I'm not saying that the virus is caused, the virus there, real, right? But I'm talking about what happened within that. And people jumped on these causes. Uh, with the, I mean, obviously the big one that was, was the racial in, injustice. And I'm telling you, and I shared it with you before, my, my email got flooded. My texts got flooded. I mean, it was, it, was, it, was, it was unreal. With, hey, are we gonna do this? Are we gonna do that? Are we gonna do this? Are we gonna do that? You know what my response was? No, we're gonna keep preaching Jesus. And you know how many people got upset and people left the church? Because we didn't jump on a cause. We just kept preaching Jesus. Why is that? Because I believe that Christ and Christ alone is all we need. That Jesus, listen, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, as you go down the journey of spiritual growth, you'll see that Jesus himself addresses all of those things. So we don't need a Jesus plus one. Jesus is eventually gonna get there and deal with the heart. Because honestly, at the, at, the, at, the, at, the, at the center of every social injustice issue, there's a heart issue. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, root or a, a fruit issue. It's not an, an outward. It's, no, there's something wrong with the heart of humanity. And that cause cannot fix the heart of humanity. Only Christ alone can fix the heart of humanity. And so if we just keep preaching Jesus and keep pointing people to Jesus, eventually as people open up their hearts, it's going to deal with their heart. It's going to deal with the issue. Listen to me, the gospel deals with racism. You've just got to continue down the journey and see if it's in your heart and let Christ deal with it. You've got to keep pointing people to Jesus. 
social injustice causes in our world, we need to make sure we safeguard so we're not saying, okay, I got Jesus, but I need something else. I need a cause to rally behind. No, the only cause you need is the cause of the gospel. It's the only cause that we need. How about, how about this one? This is a big one, and maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. Faith deconstruction. Uh, it's, it's huge. It's been, and it really already is. Here's the thing. It's been huge for a long time. People deconstructing their faith isn't something new. It's been something that has been happening in the days of the Scripture. What's happened is, is that with everything that's out there, social media and podcasts and blogs and all this stuff, it can just bring a, a greater focus to it. Um, what is faith deconstruction? Um, and here's the thing. At its very core, there's nothing wrong with it. Because faith deconstruction is the idea of asking this simple question, why do I believe what I believe? And then like, a, like if you could picture a Lego house or a Lego tower, saying, why do I believe? And taking that one Lego piece and saying, why do I believe this? Why do I believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life? Is it, is it because someone told me the Bible says so? And then you begin to wrestle with that question within the context of this, understanding that this is the infallible word of God. Because if you don't believe that, you're not deconstructing your faith. I don't know what you're doing, actually. You don't have any faith if you don't believe that. So we have that as the foundation, then we ask these questions. That's the whole idea, but here's what's happened. Is if you take that beautiful Lego house and you systematically take it apart in a safe environment and ask the question and able to put it back, and, and here's the thing, as you wrestle with that, you will find some flaws in what you believed. And by the grace of God and by the Holy Spirit, he'll correct that. And that piece will still fit, but it'll have a new understanding. But here's what's happened. In the world we live in today, most faith deconstruction hasn't happened by, hey, I'm gonna methodically ask myself these questions. Here's what's happened. Someone took a wrecking ball and dropped it on your Lego house and said, hey, put the pieces back together. See, most, most people's faith deconstruction now is really uh, based out of their, their circumstances rather than out of a thoughtful contemplation. I got hurt by somebody in the church multiple times. I was, I, was, I was hurt by a pastor. Anybody ever been hurt by a pastor? None of you? You must have been coming to this church your whole life. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> that was funny. Um, I've been hurt by a pastor, and yet I am one. You got, you got, you got hurt in church. This is the biggest one. So what happens is, is that wrecking ball, boom, crushed your house. And now you're, all the pieces are there. And what you do is you look at that and you say, well, then all churches and all pastors must be that way. And so now your faith deconstruction is based on the fact that everything is like this. Are you with me today? But, but I think there's some things in Scripture that talk about we, we don't walk by sight. We, we, we don't live our life by feeling. Are you getting anything out of this today? We don't live by feelings. Come on, we walk by, by faith. We walk by faith. 
Um, people adding, I mentioned this one, people adding things to make it more safe. I, I've been there. Like, like, hey, sex before marriage is a sin. Okay, that's, that's indisputable. It's, it's in the scripture. It's in the Bible. Okay? So then people say, you know what? You probably shouldn't even date then. Anybody grow up in that church? Man, again, you must be in Camus Church all your life. That's great. You shouldn't even date then. Or at least not until you're 30. Right? Because if you're with somebody long enough, man, you're going to emotionally get involved with them, and then you're going to want to have sex, and if you're not married, it's bad, so just don't date. Well, how, Dad, how am I going to get to know anybody? Arranged marriage? Hello? <laughs> All the parents are like, yes, amen. Or at least, at least all the parents with daughters are like, yes, amen. <laughs> People adding things to make, it, to make it more safe. Okay. Here's the thing. I'm sure all of us could look at this and be like, whoa, I, I kind of fit into that. I've, I've done that. I've been there. Here's one thing I've learned as a pastor is if I could look at our life as a book, because that's what the Bible says it's like, is I'm not gonna judge anybody by the first chapter in their life, and I'm not gonna judge anybody by the last chapter I've seen in their life. Because here's one thing I've realized is that the story is still being written. And if we all of a sudden have a falling out with somebody and the last thing we remember is that falling out and that thing, we think that's who they are. But yet we extend ourselves the grace to keep moving forward and growing. What if we extended the same grace to everybody else that we extend to ourselves and say, you know what, that's just, that's just the last chapter I saw. But by the grace of God, their story is still being written. Amen? Safeguard your faith. Here, here's a big one, here's a big one, okay? Um, and a lot of this, again, I'm sorry, is just raw materialism. Materialism is a big one. I'm gonna be honest with you, in the church today. So much so that you can go to many places and say, hey, if you serve Jesus Christ, you'll have a better house, a better car, better looking family. <laughs> if you serve Jesus, man, um, actually the way I read my Bible is if you serve Jesus, you could lose your life. <laughs> but yeah, here's what's happened. Materialism has crept into the church. And so now, now what happens is, is listen to me now, is because I want to get back to this point. Whatever happens, find your joy where? In Christ. That Christ is sufficient. He's all I need. He's everything. I don't need anything else. Really? How's that working out for your 401k? How's that working out for the pay raise you so desperately want? How's that working out for, I, I need to get a better job, I need to get this, I need to get that. Man, I wish I had more money so that I could do this, and I'd like to take, what, 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 what happened to saying, hey, Jesus Christ is all I need? Pastor, that's too simplistic. No, that's the gospel. What happened to, I'm gonna trust God for everything I need and everything I have in life? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with being wise and putting money away and, and all those things. But here's what happens is how much of our life are we giving to our future financially that we're not giving to our future spiritually? 
And I know for some of you it feels like I just crossed the line, but I want to get back to the, the point of the text. The point of the text is Christ and Christ alone. I don't need anything else, whatever happens. And so when all of a sudden, you know, the economy tanks and crashes, are you fearful about what's in your account or in that whatever? Can you say it doesn't matter because my life is in Christ? When all of a sudden I look at the savings account, it doesn't have what I, I, I wanted it to have in it. Can I still look at Christ and say it doesn't matter because I have everything I need in Christ? Listen, listen here's, the whole, here's the whole point because I, I, want, I want you to understand this, that coming to Christ is not an addition to what we already have. Coming to Christ is letting everything else go and saying he's all I need. Listen to what it says in the Bible. Matthew chapter 16, 24 to 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, I want to be his follower. That would be awesome. Because look at what he does. He has dudes following him around. That's pretty awesome. There's some really cool miracles happening. Context, his day, people really seeing this. And come on, he turns water into wine. Come on, somebody. Like, yes, I want to be your follower. That's totally cool. Okay, you must give up your own way. What? You, you want me to do what? Just give up your own way. Give up all of that. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for the sake, uh, for his sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you listen to this now? What do you benefit? Back to the idea of materialism. What, 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 what good is it if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we at that place where, you know what? Or, 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 or are we living an Americanized gospel dream? Could you lose everything today? And whatever happens. I want you to safeguard your faith because if we're not careful, listen to me, it's easy to read the scripture and be like, yeah, be careful of those dogs, those mutilators, those people that come in and say you need something else besides Jesus. But my question to you is, what in your life have you added to? What, what's your plus one? Are we safeguarding our faith? Worship team, come on up. I'm just gonna give you a quick, quick, quick couple of points. Number one, he says this within this passage, um, you want to safeguard your faith. Number one, worship him in spirit. Worship him in spirit. It's not a show. It's not a production. It's, it's they, let's just worship him in spirit. Man, all of this is great. Like, man, I love having a great, matter of fact, we got two new people on the worship team today, and it's awesome. Love it. Um, it's nice to have the words up on the screen and all of that stuff, but um, the reality is, is for thousands upon thousands of years, they didn't have instruments. They didn't have screens with words on it. They didn't even have beautiful voices like we had today. They had voices like mine. But you want to safeguard your faith? When's the last time you just kind of pushed everything aside, maybe in your own car, maybe in your bedroom? And, and this is for everyone on stage, out there, those that are on the worship team, those that aren't, and just got back to the simple basics and just, oh, I'm just gonna worship Jesus. 
Maybe it's not even a song. Maybe it's the way you're living your life, but you, I'm just going to worship Jesus. I'm going to worship Jesus. Uh, in John chapter 4, there's this great story about um, this woman that Jesus meets, and he has this great interaction with her. Just jot it down, John chapter 4. It's not in the notes, but write it down. It's a phenomenal story. And um, they get in this conversation about worship. And she says, hey, my people, we know how to worship, and we know where to worship. And he's listening to what, what, what had happened. This woman had got caught up into a plus one. Oh, yeah, we know where to worship. We worship on this mountain. And we know, we know how to worship. Oh, yeah. And Jesus says, you know what, woman? The hour is coming, and the hour, out, the hour now is that you won't need any of that. For the true worshipers are going to worship me in spirit and in truth. She got caught up in this plus one. Oh, yeah, we know how to do it. Listen to me, there is no church in the world that has the corner on God. I love going to different churches and worshiping with other believers. Listen, I've been, I've, been, I've been in worship services where, man, they have the best band ever. I mean, like, it's like a rock show. Anybody been there? And I enjoy it, don't get me wrong, I enjoy it. Like, I mean, they're coming up on pedestals out of the stage. Oh, no, that was the Boys to Men concert I went to back in the day. Um, sorry, got the two confused. It's pretty easy to do nowadays. Um, catch that later. Um, I mean, I've been to them. That man's got the best. Oh, man. I mean, we got this janky, like, printed, I don't even know what that's made of, plastic sign. And they got LED screens. And I might be a little jealous, but whatever. Um, but I've been there, and I've worshiped, but I've been in those environments where I'm like, I feel nothing. Oh, it was a wow environment. But I'm like, I... But I, I've been to places, stepped into churches, and, and, and churches bigger than ours, and the only person up there is a dude on a guitar or a woman on a guitar, and they start singing. And man, the presence of God is... Be careful. Don't mistake what you see works. No, don't get me wrong, I've been to those places where, man, they got everything and the presence God is moving to. But listen to me, if you can't walk into a church and it's just someone on a guitar by themselves and be moved by the presence of God, heart check. Heart check got to worship him in spirit man that place that we touch him and place of intimacy number two he talks about this he says I want you to rejoice in him alone we've been hitting on that I want you to rejoice in him alone no matter what you're walking through no matter what you're dealing with man I'll, I'll be honest with you number two right here boom highlight it in case you haven't caught it that's the one I've been wrestling with wrestled with it this last week to the point, I'll just, I'm a very transparent and I'll probably, maybe some my wife's already looking at me like, what are you about to say? We were having this really in-depth conversation 
and as we were driving to have dinner with some, some friends, and we were talking about life and church, and she just stopped. She goes, Ben, are you mad at God? And I know lying's a sin, and so I looked at her and said, yeah, I am. I'm mad at God. But the minute I admitted that, And I realized that God's not mad at me for being mad at him. I was like, this is a great relationship. Because <laughs> when I get mad at my wife, she gets mad at me. <laughs> but I can admit I'm mad at God and God still is there. I was like, this is going to work. I can, I can do this. And man, we just had this, this beautiful conversation on the way down and then had this amazing time out to dinner with these friends and by the time I got home I was just like I'm good I'm good can I tell you something God is not scared of you being mad at him the thing you probably need to worry about is, is if God's mad at you but I want to tell you something he's not mad at you there's nothing you can do to get you to separate from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. And so I'm just learning, I'm learning, I'm learning to rejoice in him alone. I'm learning to rejoice in him alone. As, as your pastor, I'm learning that. I'm learning that. Because this next one, number three, have no confidence in the flesh. What is he saying here? He's saying have no confidence in human effort. Breaking that down to the, the, very, the very basics. Listen, man, there's nothing you can do to be saved. Christ has done it all. No human effort, nothing you can do is gonna get you saved. No laws, no regulations, no rules. You can't show up to church enough to get saved. You can't pray enough to get saved. You can't worship enough to get saved. You can't read enough of the Bible to get saved. Listen, all those things, there are safeguards to help keep you moving in the direction that you need to go. But that's, look, 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 salvation is found in Christ and Christ alone. But sometimes it seems like once we get saved, we feel like we need to apply effort in order to grow. Now don't get me wrong, like there, there's safeguards, like we should be in the Bible, and man, we should be around believers, there's, there's value to that. But if we're not careful in our spiritual journey, like your pastor, you'll find yourself exerting so much effort to try to get something to happen. I mean, like, like right, like we've been there, that was part of the conversation the other night. And it's just like, what do I need to do? You ever been there before? What do I need to do to get this, this, this marriage to work submitted to Christ? What do I need to do to get this business to, to take off? I don't know if it ever will, but I'll tell you this, if you submit it to Christ, you'll have a lot more joy, even if it fails. He says, man, don't have any confidence in your human effort. Just trust God and keep being faithful and rely on him. Where, where's, where's the area in your life where you find yourself just exhausted because you're just, you're just exerting so much trying to make it work and trying to make it happen and trying to keep this person happy and that person happy and trying to do this, just let it go. Are you hearing me today? And trust God. 
trust God. Have no confidence in human effort. Going back to the first verse, whatever happens, whatever happens, go and stand to your feet. Um, so I want you to do as we close this, this, uh, this message out today is I, I want you to walk away wrestling with it like I'm still wrestling through it. Like whatever happens, what is the whatever in your life that is robbing you of joy? What is the whatever in your life right now that is robbing you of fulfillment? Because whatever happens, rejoice in him. Rejoice in him. Finances are depleted. Relationships are broken. Health isn't where it needs to be. Marriage isn't as strong as I hoped. Can't seem to find fulfillment in this thing. Whatever happens, whatever happens. Everything else, listen to me, is temporary. Everything else is fleeting. Everything else is my, uh, listen, your, your marriage will be a lot happier if you, if you discover full joy in Christ. Because in that moment when your spouse lets you down because they will let you down, you'll realize, wait, they're as human as you are. Whatever happens, whatever happens, rejoice in Jesus. So Lord, we just ask today for Canvas Church, God, we ask for, Lord, this community that, God, we would begin to, Lord God, just move back in that direction. God, like, like Paul encouraged the church of Philippi that we would put some safeguards up. God, not, not some extra barriers, not some things adding to, but, but literally safeguard ourselves from that that we would continue to find joy in you. We would continue to not have confidence in, the, in our own efforts, and we would continue to worship you all the time, every day in spirit. And as we do that, it would safeguard our faith so that nothing could get added, nothing could get subtracted, and we continue to rejoice in you always. So Lord, I pray for this incredible church. I pray for these people. Uh, Lord God, that you've allowed me to pastor. Lord God, to find that solely in you, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. With every eye closed and every head bowed, you're here today. And um, maybe you're like your pastor and you have some whatevers in your life and you can actually name them right now. Just I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to do anything more than this, but I just want to know this. Do you have some whatevers? What is the whatever in your life? You say, Pastor, I got some whatevers I'm dealing with. Just, just lift your hand right now. I got some things that are distracting me. I got some things that are deterring me. I got some things that, yeah, so Lord, I pray for those right now, Lord, that are lifting their hands, that God, we would find complete joy, wholeness, satisfaction, hope, future in you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, 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 amen. Hey, if you need prayer for anything more, um, we're going to have some of our small group. I don't know what that horrible hum is. Is that the Holy Spirit returning? It's actually getting worse. Oh, there it goes. Good. Check, check. All right. Hey, if you need prayer for anything else, uh, we're going to have some small group leaders up here, some pastors up here. Man, I would love to pray for you, with you, whatever you're walking through. Maybe there's some other stuff that uh, maybe we didn't hit on today that you'd say, man, I need some prayer in that. So small group leaders, uh, pastors, come on up right now. Love to pray for you. God bless. Have an amazing week. And uh, we're going to continue this uh, over the next couple of weeks as we uh, bring it to a close. So have an amazing day. God bless. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.